Chapter Twenty Four of Education. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ramon Escamilla. Conway, Arkansas. R A M O N E S C A M I L L A. WordPress.com. Education by Ellen G. White. Chapter Twenty Four. Manual Training. Study to work with your own hands. At the creation, labor was appointed as a blessing. It meant development, power, happiness. The changed condition of the earth through the curse of sin has brought a change in the conditions of labor. Yet though now attended with anxiety, weariness, and pain, it is still a source of happiness and development. And it is a safeguard against temptation. Its discipline places a check on self-indulgence and promotes industry, purity, and firmness. Thus it becomes a part of God's great plan for our recovery from the fall. The youth should be led to see the true dignity of labor. Show them that God is a constant worker. All things in nature do their allotted work. Action pervades the whole creation, and in order to fulfill our mission, we too must be active. In our labor, we are to be workers together with God. He gives us the earth and its treasures, but we must adapt them to our use and comfort. He causes the trees to grow, but we prepare the timber and build the house. He has hidden in the earth the gold and silver, the iron and coal, but it is only through toil that we can obtain them. Show that, while God has created and constantly controls all things, He has endowed us with a power not wholly unlike His. To us has been given a degree of control over the forces of nature. As God called forth the earth in its beauty out of chaos, so we can bring order and beauty out of confusion. And though all things are now marred with evil, yet in our completed work we feel a joy akin to his, when looking on the fair earth, he pronounced it very good. As a rule, the exercise most beneficial to the youth will be found in useful employment. The little child finds both diversion and development in play, and his sports should be such as to promote not only physical, but mental and spiritual growth. As he gains strength and intelligence, the best recreation will be found in some line of effort that is useful. That which trains the hand to helpfulness, and teaches the young to bear their share of life's burdens, is most effective in promoting the growth of mind and character. The youth need to be taught that life means earnest work, responsibility, caretaking. They need a training that will make them practical, men and women who can cope with emergencies. They should be taught that the discipline of systematic, well-regulated labor is essential, not only as a safeguard against the vicissitudes of life, but as an aid to all-round development. Notwithstanding all that has been said and written concerning the dignity of labor, the feeling prevails that it is degrading. Young men are anxious to become teachers, clerks, merchants, physicians, lawyers, 
or to occupy some other position that does not require physical toil. Young women shun housework and seek an education in other lines. These need to learn that no man or woman is degraded by honest toil. That which degrades is idleness and selfish dependence. Idleness fosters self-indulgence, and the result is a life empty and barren, a field inviting the growth of every evil. Quote, the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. End quote. Many of the branches of study that consume the student's time are not essential to usefulness or happiness. But it is essential for every youth to have a thorough acquaintance with everyday duties. If need be, a young woman can dispense with a knowledge of French and algebra, or even of the piano, but it is indispensable that she learn to make good bread, to fashion neatly fitting garments, and to perform efficiently the many duties that pertain to homemaking. To the health and happiness of the whole family, nothing is more vital than skill and intelligence on the part of the cook. By ill-prepared, unwholesome food, she may hinder and even ruin both the adult's usefulness and the child's development. Or, by providing food adapted to the needs of the body, and at the same time inviting and palatable, she can accomplish as much in the right as otherwise she accomplishes in the wrong direction. So, in many ways, life's happiness is bound up with faithfulness and common duties. Since both men and women have a part in homemaking, boys as well as girls should gain a knowledge of household duties. To make a bed and put a room in order, to wash dishes, to prepare a meal, to wash and repair his own clothing, is a training that need not make any boy less manly, and it will make him happier and more useful. And if girls, in turn, could learn to harness and drive a horse, and to use the saw and the hammer, as well as the rake and the hoe, they would be better fitted to meet the emergencies of life. Let the children and youth learn from the Bible how God has honored the work of the everyday toiler. Let them read of the sons of the prophets, students at school who were building a house for themselves, and for whom a miracle was wrought to save from loss the axe that was borrowed. Let them read of Jesus the carpenter, and Paul the tent-maker, who with the toil of the craftsmen linked the highest ministry, human and divine. Let them read of the lad whose five loaves were used by the Saviour in that wonderful miracle for the feeding of the multitude, of Dorcas the seamstress, called back from death, that she might continue to make garments for the poor of the wise woman described in Proverbs, who seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands, who giveth meat to her household, and their task to her maidens, who planteth a vineyard, and strengtheneth her arms, who stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, reacheth forth her hands to the needy, who looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Of such a one, God says, quote, She shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. End quote. 
For every child, the first industrial school should be the home. And so far as possible, facilities for manual training should be connected with every school. To a great degree, such training would supply the place of the gymnasium, with the additional benefit of affording valuable discipline. Manual training is deserving of far more attention than it has received. Schools should be established that, in addition to the highest mental and moral culture, shall provide the best possible facilities for physical development and industrial training. Instruction should be given in agriculture, manufactures, covering as many as possible of the most useful trades, also in household economy, healthful cookery, sewing, hygienic dressmaking, the treatment of the sick, and kindred lines. Gardens, workshops, and treatment rooms should be provided, and the work in every line should be under the direction of skilled instructors. The work should have a definite aim, and should be thorough. While every person needs some knowledge of different handicrafts, it is indispensable that he become proficient in at least one. Every youth, on leaving school, should have acquired a knowledge of some trade or occupation by which, if need be, he may earn a livelihood. The objection most often urged against industrial training in the schools is the large outlay involved. But the object to be gained is worthy of its cost. No other work committed to us is so important as the training of the youth, and every outlay demanded for its right accomplishment is means well spent. Even from the viewpoint of financial results, the outlay required for manual training would prove the truest economy. Multitudes of our boys would thus be kept from the street corner and the groggery. The expenditure for gardens, workshops, and baths would be more than met by the saving on hospitals and reformatories. And the youth themselves, trained to habits of industry, and skilled in lines of useful and productive labor, who can estimate their value to society and to the nation? As a relaxation from study, occupations pursued in the open air and affording exercise for the whole body are the most beneficial. No line of manual training is of more value than agriculture. A greater effort should be made to create and to encourage an interest in agricultural pursuits. Let the teacher call attention to what the Bible says about agriculture, that it was God's plan for man to till the earth, that the first man, the ruler of the whole world, was given a garden to cultivate, and that many of the world's greatest men, its real nobility, have been tillers of the soil. Show the opportunities in such a life. The wise man says, quote, The king himself is served by the field. End quote. Of him who cultivates the soil, the Bible declares, His God doth instruct him to discretion, and doth teach him. And again, Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. He who earns his livelihood by agriculture escapes many temptations, and enjoys unnumbered privileges and blessings, denied to those whose work lies in the great cities. And in these days of mammoth trusts and business competition, there are few who enjoy so real an independence and so great certainty of fair return for their labor, as does the tiller of the soil. In the study of agriculture, let pupils be given not only theory, but practice. While they learn what science can teach in regard to the nature and preparation of the soil, the value of the different crops, and the best methods of production, 
let them put their knowledge to use. Let teachers share the work with the students and show what results can be achieved through skillful, intelligent effort. Thus may be awakened a genuine interest and ambition to do the work in the best possible manner. Such an ambition, together with the invigorating effect of exercise, sunshine, and pure air, will create a love for agricultural labor that with many youth will determine their choice of an occupation. Thus might be set on foot influences that would go far in turning the tide of migration, which now sets so strongly toward the great cities. Thus also our schools could aid effectively in the disposition of the unemployed masses. Thousands of helpless and starving beings, whose numbers are daily swelling the ranks of the criminal classes, might achieve self-support in a happy, healthy, independent life, if they could be directed in skillful, diligent labor in the tilling of the soil. The benefit of manual training is needed also by professional men. A man may have a brilliant mind. He may be quick to catch ideas. His knowledge and skill may secure for him admission to his chosen calling. Yet he may still be far from possessing a fitness for its duties. An education derived chiefly from books leads to superficial thinking. Practical work encourages close observation and independent thought. Rightly performed, it tends to develop that practical wisdom which we call common sense. It develops ability to plan and execute, strengthens courage and perseverance, and calls for the exercise of tact and skill. The physician who has laid a foundation for his professional knowledge by actual service in the sick room will have a quickness of insight, an all-round knowledge, and an ability in emergencies to render needed service all essential qualifications which only a practical training can so fully impart. The minister, the missionary, the teacher will find their influence with the people greatly increased when it is manifest that they possess the knowledge and skill required for the practical duties of everyday life. And often the success, perhaps the very life, of the missionary depends on his knowledge of practical things. The ability to prepare food, to deal with accidents and emergencies, to treat disease, to build a house or a church if need be, often these make all the difference between success and failure in his life work. In acquiring an education, many students would gain a most valuable training if they would become self-sustaining. Instead of incurring debts or depending on the self-denial of their parents, let young men and young women depend on themselves. They will thus learn the value of money, the value of time, strength, and opportunities, and will be under far less temptation to indulge idle and spendthrift habits. The lessons of economy, industry, self-denial, practical business management, and steadfastness of purpose, thus mastered, would prove a most important part of their equipment for the battle of life. And the lesson of self-help learned by the student would go far toward preserving institutions of learning from the burden of debt under which so many schools have struggled, and which has done so much toward crippling their usefulness. Let the youth be impressed with the thought that education is not to teach them how to escape life's disagreeable tasks and heavy burdens, that its purpose is to lighten the work by teaching better methods and higher aims. Teach them that life's true aim is not to secure the greatest possible gain for themselves, but to honor their Maker in doing their part of the world's work, 
and lending a helpful hand to those weaker or more ignorant. One great reason why physical toil is looked down on is the slipshod, unthinking way in which it is so often performed. It is done from necessity, not from choice. The worker puts no heart into it, and he neither preserves self-respect nor wins the respect of others. Manual training should correct this error. It should develop habits of accuracy and thoroughness. Pupils should learn tact and system. They should learn to economize time and to make every move count. They should not only be taught the best methods, but be inspired with ambition constantly to improve. Let it be their aim to make their work as nearly perfect as human brains and hands can make it. Such training will make the youth masters and not slaves of labor. It will lighten the lot of the hard toiler and will ennoble even the humblest occupation. He who regards work as mere drudgery and settles down to it with self-complacent ignorance, making no effort to improve, will find it indeed a burden. But those who recognize science in the humblest work will see in it nobility and beauty, and will take pleasure in performing it with faithfulness and efficiency. A youth so trained, whatever his calling in life, so long as it is honest, will make his position one of usefulness and honor. End of chapter 24 Recording by Ramon Escamilla Conway, Arkansas R-A-M-O-N-E-S-C-A-M-I-L-L-A dot wordpress dot com